Good morning. I'm excited to be here with you guys this morning on Mother's Day. Um, it's been a, a sweet morning in the presence of the Lord together. And, and um, as I was getting ready for this day, I, I was praying and the Lord specifically said the fear of the Lord to me. So we're going to talk about the fear of the Lord today. But before we start, I want to say happy Mother's Day to you also. And I have a verse that I want to share with you this morning because it's a beautiful verse. And most of the Bible verses um, in the Bible say him or his, but I'm going to put her today. It comes from Proverbs 14, 26. It says, he who fears the Lord has a secure fortress. And for her children, it will be a refuge. Today, my hope is that... um, as we're going through the word together, I have quite a few verses, and they'll be up on, on the screen at different times. But it's to encourage you, um, not just moms, because we're not all moms, but to encourage you to seek the Lord and to obey what he says to you, because when we obey him, we have good benefits. And so this morning, we're going to go ahead and jump on in. The fear of the Lord, we've heard uh, that phrase often. But do, when we see fear of the Lord, sometimes it brings up like a, oh, what does that mean, fear of the Lord? Am I supposed to be scared? Or, but he loves me, but what does that mean? Well, right now, um, it's not, not right now, but it's, it's not a scary fear. It's a reverential fear. It's a respect. And um, we're going to talk about King Solomon if you go to 1 Kings in um, your Bible, in the first 11 chapters, we see the whole story of King Solomon kind of unfold and how he takes the kingdom at a young age. His father's passing away and he's taking over what his father has built. And, and we all know King David, even people who don't read the Bible know about King David. And so Solomon was taking on this legacy of a man who worshiped the Lord and saw great things happen in his kingdom. He also went through a lot of troubles. And so Solomon at a young age is stepping into his shoes and saying, I'm going to, I'm going to, he's becoming king. He's taking on this whole kingdom. And soon after he becomes king in first Kings verse, um, in chapter three, I'm going to go there. Let me put that up. First Kings chapter three. He goes before the Lord at the same place that his um, father David did because there hadn't been a temple built. This is before Solomon built the temple, so there was this tent that they would still meet in, but it wasn't, it had been moved around because of different things that had happened in Israel's history, in war and battles and things like that. And so now it was not in Jerusalem, it was in Gibeon. And Gibeon, that's where David went before the Lord and he bought the threshing floor. And he built an altar to the Lord there, and he worshiped the Lord, and the Lord met him there. So Solomon goes to this same place, and he goes there to worship the Lord and to seek the Lord. And the Bible says in, in, um, well, right before this, the Bible says that he offered a thousand bulls, a burnt offering. And And the burnt offering was a different kind of offering than other offerings. There's many different offerings in the Old Testament that God commanded the people said, if you want to worship me, this is how I am worshipped. And this is what you're to do. And this is what is pleasing to me. But this one offering was one that 
was completely consumed with fire. None, some of the offerings were left, um, not left, some of the offerings were shared with the people, with the priest who was offering it, and then some of them, uh, and then this one was completely for the Lord, completely. None of it was for the person to take back and be a part of, but it was completely for the Lord. So it signified a complete devotion. When they offered this offering, it was saying, I'm, I'm seeking you fully. Um, it's a devotion offering. It's a dedication offering. So when we see that Solomon offers a thousand bulls this way, we can see that he was like, I need you, God. <laughs> I need to hear you. I need to know what you want to do. He was seeking the Lord. And here we see, sorry, I'm going to turn around. Um, we're going to go ahead and read this. 1 Kings 3, 10 through 13. After he offered these, the Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for this. Oh, let me back up. I didn't tell you what he asked for. <laughs> so here's what happens. He offers the offering, and God says, ask me for whatever you want. And Solomon could have asked for anything. We kind of, this is kind of a familiar story when we hear about Solomon. He could have asked for anything, but he asked God, give me wisdom on how to lead these people. And so this is where we come in. The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for this, so God said to him, since you've asked for this and not for long life or wealth for yourself, nor have asked for death of your enemies, but for a discernment in administering justice, I will do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart so that there... so that there will never have been anyone like you, nor will there ever be. Moreover, then he doesn't stop there. This is a cool thing about God. He doesn't stop there. He goes beyond that. And he says, moreover, I will give you what you have not asked for, both wealth and honor, so that in your lifetime you will have no equal among kings. God was so pleased by Solomon's desire to lead Israel well that he gave him beyond what he asked for. Israel was like God's child, in a sense. He had raised um, Israel out of slavery. He had brought them out, and um, he had given them his heart by his law and said, walk this way, and if you walk this way, I'll bless you. And so Israel was very precious to him, and he needed a king that would follow the Lord in order for her to prosper. And Solomon knew this, and so he turned himself to hear the Lord. Proverbs 9.10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. The beginning of, of wisdom... That's my first point. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Wisdom has to do with technical skill, like as in war. It has to do with experience, um, having good judgment. It has to do with cautiousness and common sense that when we're unsure, we're, hmm, that doesn't seem right, taking a step back. That's wisdom. It covers every area of life. In the same way, God blessed um, Solomon, and he gave him breadth of understanding. That means, like, he, if you read, he 
had understanding in like all these scientific type things that was kind of beyond where a lot of their understanding was at that time. And people would come from all over the world to come and listen to him. There was no king as famous as Solomon. There was no king as rich and as well-established as Solomon. The wisdom that God gives covers everything. It covers business in the way that we spend our money. It covers relationships. It covers planning and jobs. He wants to guide us in everything. It's also something we grow in as we follow him, and that's what we see with Solomon. He grew in this. As he followed the Lord, he prospered. He prospered. The knowledge of the Holy One is insight. That's the last part of Proverbs 9.10. If you look up there, it says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It starts wisdom within us. To when we, the fear of the Lord is turning and giving respect to who God is, and that starts something within us that's wisdom. That's where wisdom starts. We don't have wisdom on our own. We can make a lot of good choices, and we can really think we're doing great. Kind of like Pastor Barry was saying one time about, on my really great days, I'm still off, right? <laughs> so those are my words a little bit, but we're all like that, right? On our really great days, we're still off. And the only person who knows how to handle everything is him. So when I turn my heart to him and say, wait a minute, God, what do you think? What are you saying? All of a sudden, oh, wisdom has begun. <laughs> There's something happening inside here. And wisdom is beginning to take place. And the more that you walk in wisdom, this is what it builds. The knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. When we walk in the wisdom that he gives us, we gain knowledge. We gain, this word is um, Skill through experience. We walk in the wisdom that he gives us and we build skill in the things that we interact with through experience. It's an experiential knowledge, not a head knowledge. We have a lot of head knowledge that so we can know everything. You can know people who are super smart and really good at a lot of great things, but when it comes to making wise choices, they're off. Because wisdom is not a head knowledge it's a heart knowledge, and it, it starts with knowing God and hearing him. And it says that, um, it's insight or understanding. My understanding of who he is comes because I have learned from him by following his ways. We can't know his ways without knowing him. You can't know his plans, unless you know him. This word insight here means like grasp or mastery, like to grasp something. To When you know the Lord, you begin to have a grasp on life. You begin to have a, um, a, a mastery in, in those things you're asking him for wisdom on. And this is where we see our strength is from him. He makes our weaknesses our strengths. He builds us up. We begin to understand here also um, what pleases him, how we are to live. The message really reads this well. It says, skilled living gets its start in the fear of God. Insight into life from knowing a holy God. 
Romans 12.2 also it kind of goes along with this idea. It builds on this. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. That's exciting. We can know God's plans for us. We don't have to kind of amble through our daily life and kind of, uh, you know, learn from hard knocks. You know what I mean? We can actually have wisdom on what to expect, on the choices we should make in everything, in everything. Small things are not too small for him. You need to know, you know, how to get somewhere. Ask him. I'm serious. That seems kind of like, oh, really? But no, really, nothing is too small for him. The fear of the Lord also requires obedience. If, let's, let's go back a little bit. Going back to Solomon, going back a little bit further than Solomon, kind of boop, 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 back. We're going to come to Moses, right? Moses, we know, pretty much everybody's heard of Moses, right? People who don't know the Lord know about Moses. Moses was the one that God raised up to bring his people out of slavery and into a new place of freedom, right? He used Moses to speak his heart, his law, his, his direction to the people of Israel and to also encourage them to move that way. Deuteronomy 5, I'm sorry, 4, 5 through 6. Moses is speaking to Israel. He's saying, See, I've taught you decrees and laws as the Lord my God commanded me, so that you would follow them in the land you are entering, to take possession of it. Verse 6. Observe them carefully, for this will show your wisdom and understanding to the nations. You will hear about all these decrees. I'm sorry, who will hear about all these decrees and say, Surely this nation, this great nation, is a wise and understanding people. Hmm. God was doing something. He was telling the people, If you will listen to me, you're going to go into this land and your enemies are going to see you and say, this is a great people. This is a wise people. They have good understanding. And there's a fear that rises up. Like, liken it to like this. When you see a wounded soldier, what's the first thing that comes into your mind? Respect, right? When you see something that is greater than yourself, um, like a phenomenon, like... Um, the Northern Lights, thank you, or a tsunami wave, or Niagara Falls, something that's really huge. It causes you to take a step back and realize, wow, that is awesome. And that is similar to what the fear of the Lord is. Wow, he is awesome. And when a people rises up and begins to fear the Lord and say, no, he's awesome, what happens is the people around us see that, and they say, that's a wise person. By the way that they live, there's something going on inside of them. And they begin to say, what, what is that about you? And that's what was going to happen with, with Israel. If she would follow the Lord, these people around her, the people around her would recognize, this is a wise person. This is a wise people. 
Well, Moses had taught Israel the, God, the things that God had taught him, and he commands them to observe them carefully. Another version of the Bible says, um, instead of observe, it says, um, I'm going to read it to you. So keep and do them, for that is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the peoples, who will hear all these statutes and say, surely this nation is a wise and understanding people. We've been talking about the fear of the Lord so far and how it, um, it starts wisdom. It initiates wisdom. We now are on, it requires obedience. The word keep here means to guard, preserve, protect. To, and then the word do, keep and do, means to accomplish. They were to keep, hold God's ways in their hearts. Keep it before them. Keep it on their minds. Put it into their ears to talk about it with each other, to talk about it with their children, to when they walked along the road, when they sat, when they rose. It was to constantly be in their mouths because it was going to keep them from sinning. And the word keep means to protect, preserve. And then... Out of that, holding on to it like it's dear, keeping it like it's precious, they were to do what he said, and it was going to bless their lives. Psalms 111 verse 10 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and all who follow his precepts, commands, have good understanding, and to him belongs eternal praise. They were to guard, preserve, protect, and accomplish God's laws. Now, one of the laws that had, had been given to the people, because at, at later time, Israel decided, well, we want a king. We, don't, we want to be like these guys all around us. We want a king. I mean, our kids say that to us, right? No, I need those shoes. Well, why do you need those shoes? Well, because, because they're cool, Mom. Well, okay. What makes them cool? Well, they just are. Okay, well, kind of expensive. Well, okay, they're cool. And it was kind of the same idea. Israel was like, well, we need a king because they have a king and they have a king. And we don't have a king. We, we just have God. We need a king. And God warns them. He says, he warns them in Deuteronomy. He says that if you get a king, they're going to put all these, they're going to start taxing you. You're going to start, you're going to come under an oppression in a sense. God is not oppressive. He was reminding them, I'm not oppressive to you. But when you put yourself under a king, you will begin to feel the oppression of a person as your leader. And one of the parts of this is in verse 17 through 20. He says, he must not, God gives them this to the kings, your king must not take many wives or his heart will be led astray. He must not accumulate large amounts of silver and gold. For when he takes the throne of his kingdom, he is to write for himself on a scroll a copy of this law taken from that of the Levitical priests. It is to be with him. He is to read it all the days of his life so that he may learn to revere the Lord his God and follow carefully all the words of this law and these decrees and not to consider himself better than his fellow Israelites and turn from the law to the right or to the left. Then he and his descendants will reign a long time over his kingdom in Israel. We see this. We see that David was the, first they got Saul. Saul 
did not follow this. He did his own thing, and God ended up taking him out and putting David in. And we see that David served the Lord. He followed God's laws. He made big mistakes, lots of them, all throughout his life. But the one thing that David never did was he never turned away to worship idols. He kept his heart toward the Lord. He knew that who his God was, even in his sinning, even in his sinning. And he came back to the Lord. And because of that relationship that he held a respect, even when he was wrong, the Lord honored him. The Lord loved him and showed himself to him. And we see Solomon's coming into his place and he's seeking the Lord the same way, but something happens in Solomon's life to where Solomon doesn't hold on. He doesn't keep God's law. He doesn't hold on to it. He doesn't preserve and protect it the way that he should have. So back to Solomon. God blesses him greatly. He's rich. He has a, he's famous. He's like Hollywood back in the day, okay? He's just bling king, dude. He's all out there. And he has a happy kingdom. His, his subjects are happy. The Bible says they had enough to eat. They had enough to drink. They lived happy. They, they were just happy kingdom, happy king. Everything was great. But somewhere in that, we see that Solomon, his heart was turning, turning and turning and turning. It turned so badly that he ended up totally breaking like just a little bit and then more and then more and then more until he completely turned away from following the Lord and he ended up leading the nation of Israel that way too. He intermarried and that was one of the things that God said, don't intermarry with all these other nations around you. And the reason was, the reason was is that these nations around Israel did not worship God. They worshiped all these idols and all these false gods. And these, their worship of these idols was not, it was ugly. It was dehumanizing. It was murder, murderous. It was, it was, it was very difficult and ugly. And God warns Israel, don't take them as your wives and and your husbands and your wives because what's going to happen is that slowly your heart is going to turn that way. But Solomon, in all of his grandness, takes 700 wives, 700 wives and 300 concubines. This man was busy. That's a lot, okay? And in this, in this, he ends up clinging to them. The Bible says he clung to them. That's an interesting word, huh? Before, God said, if you keep, you preserve my words, my laws, it's kind of like clinging, huh? kind of holding it and keeping it close to you. Well, Solomon turned and began to cling to these women. Now, these women were married for different reasons. They were daughters and princesses from other nations and countries, and he was securing land and and good relationships with these other kings, allies, all these things. That was, you know, it wasn't just that he liked women. (laughs) 
there was other things involved, but the Lord had said no. And sometimes we can think, but it looks good from all these different directions, Lord. It's, it's good here and it's good there. Oh, but they're a great guy. They're a great girl. They're nice. They're respectful to their mom. They're sweet. They've got a good job. They're going to college. They're awesome. But God says, no, no, it's not okay because their heart will lead you away from me. And as parents, okay, so I'm taking a break, guys, coming over here. As parents, it is our job to be the voice of the Lord to our children and say, no, no. If we don't, we don't prepare them to hear the voice of the Lord for themselves. And one day when they're on their own, they're going to make their decisions. And at that time, will they know how to seek the Lord? Will they know how to come to him and say, what do you think? Will they have a respect or a fear of the Lord? So it is our job as moms, navigators of the home. I liked that. The, the navigator of the home. We hear the Holy Spirit. God, what are you saying? My child's struggling here. What are you saying to me? What do I do? What do I say? How do I direct them to you? Because one day, and many of you have experienced this and are experiencing this, our children grow up. I'm not there yet, so I'm talking for you. I'm sorry. <laughs> One day our children grow up, right? And they go away. And when they go out into the world, they're on their own. And what we have deposited within them can grow up. It's a time, it's a good season. It's a, a healthy, and it's, it's, um, it's a healthy season. It's something that God has ordained, and it's for a chance for us to grow up. When we go out on our own, it's a chance for us to grow up. And, and my parents' God, is he going to be my God Solomon decided no. He decided no. The women are nice. I'm keeping them. And he turned his heart away from the Lord. They turned his heart away from the Lord. And this is a thing. The Bible goes on to say even this, that he turned so far away from the Lord in his worshiping of other gods that he went to, and, they, and it names a few different gods, but there's one that stands out at the end that hit me like, wow. He went to Moloch. Now, Moloch was an idol that was a Canaanite idol. This is one of the, the areas that they conquered when they took over the promised land was Cana. And, and the Canaanite god of Moloch was the Lord speaks over and over and over to his people through his prophets in the Old Testament saying, this one, this one is not okay. And he hates the idea of what it, 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 he hates idol worship, but this one was like even worse because Moloch included child sacrifice. And we don't know how often that was happening, but it was something that was a part of the worship of this God. And so Solomon, who was completely like, I am all, I want to hear. I want to know what you want me to do. I want to follow the right way to go. Speak to me, God. Was all the way over here on the other side 
watching the worship of this God happening in his kingdom. And his kingdom was huge at this time. He had, he could have stopped anything. At any moment, he could have said, no, we're not doing that anymore. Get it out of here. He had the authority to tear down any altar, anything in that land that he saw was wrong. But he chose to let these things kind of grow up. And it was because of his heart clinging to these women. He clung, not to just the women, but the philosophies that they came with. These women came from other um, philosophies of living. And he, he let those things grow up inside of him to where, ah, it's okay, we'll, just, we'll build her a little temple over there in the corner. To where there's not just one, there's all of these different ones all throughout the kingdom. Because of his heart saying, it's okay, we'll let this go. This really speaks to me because you know what? As a parent, it's hard to sometimes say no to things that we know we're supposed to say no to because we see that our child is really like excited about it or maybe they, you know, are looking forward to something, but something is not right and you sense something that says, "Mm -mm." and it's very easy sometimes to step back and say, well, I'll just let this one go when we're supposed to say, no, I'm sorry, we can't do that. And allow the disappointment of our children. Allow the tears. Allow the breaking. Because when we stand for what is right, you guys, when we stand up and we say Mm-mm, to sin in our homes, the Lord will bless our homes. And you know what? Going past that moment, our child will begin to say, wait a minute. You know what my mom taught me? My mom taught me to fear the Lord. My mom taught me to listen to God. Well, what happened with Solomon was that God ends up taking the Israel away from him. And this is where we see that Israel becomes divided. This is the beginning of the division of Israel. Before Israel had been one nation, they only had three kings before they got divided. They had Saul, David, Solomon, divided. And God says, I'm going to keep one tribe of Israel for your son, Solomon, because I made a promise to your father, David, that I will keep one of, that he would always have a descendant on the throne. But the rest of these are going away. And then we see that one of Solomon's own officials that was, that was served under him, who was a man of standing, so that means that people liked him, they, they saw and respected him, he ends up, they end up not, he doesn't even have to get them to go. They end up saying, no, we're going with him. And they leave. And we see the beginning of a division. And what was great, the Solomon's greatness just spirals down and ends really sad. And it was because he left the fear of the Lord. He chose not to obey God's word. And the Bible says that in Proverbs 13, 18, he says, He who ignores discipline comes to poverty and shame, but whoever heeds correction is honored. Solomon in the beginning had honor, but at some point in his life, he said, no, I'm good, I got this. And we see that he ended in poverty and shame. Not, maybe not, you know, he was rich. I'm not talking about like money poverty, but there was a poverty that happened in his spirit because what he had was actually given away.
The fear of the Lord also builds love. The fear of the Lord starts wisdom in us. It teaches us how to live life. It teaches us to follow the Lord. It requires our obedience. You have to obey what God says, otherwise you can't grow in him. And three, it builds love. When we respect the Lord, when we listen to him and give way to him, it builds love. Isaiah 33, 6. Now this is one of the most beautiful verses that I found. I was like, wow, this is just really beautiful. Look at it. It says, he will be the sure foundation for your times, a rich store of salvation and wisdom and knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the key to this treasure. Isn't that nice? That's beautiful. That's beautiful. When I started looking at this verse and kind of like chewing on it, it says the fear of the Lord is the key. It makes me think of like a treasure chest. And there's a key. There's only one key to open that chest. And inside there's good stuff. And the key is the fear of the Lord. If you don't have the key, you are not getting in the chest. But the moment you find that key, you unlock a whole, whole plethora of goodness, right? He is the rich store of salvation. He is the wisdom. He is the knowledge. He is your sure foundation. And the Bible says this word, for your times. I thought that was interesting. For your times. Your times, the things you go through. He is your sure salvation. He is your sure foundation. A foundation is needed when something is shifting. When life shifts us, when our children say, nope, I'm not doing that. I'm going my way. Thanks. <laughs> Bye-bye. That rocks our foundation. But he doesn't change. He is sure. And our prayers that have come before him are still heard and valid no matter the decisions that they make, no matter what happens around us, he is our sure, self, our sure foundation. It doesn't change. And when we walk and we listen to him and we do what he says, we're going to be shaken. And when we're shaken and we say, wait a minute, God, I know what you said again. I'm going to hold on and I'm going to wait this one out because I know that I have prayed to you, I know that I have trusted you for this, and I know that you are faithful to my words, you are faithful to my heart, you are faithful to me. So I'm going to hold on to you. That is the treasure. He is our treasure. You can't have all those things if you're not testing him and, and listening to him and following him. We can't have that sure foundation. We won't have that sure foundation. When we choose to obey him, we get the whole package. Isn't that cool? Isn't that nice? It's like when you go to, a, um, to buy, let's say, you buy a a pass to Disneyland. You're like, well, I can only afford that one right there, so I'm going to take that one. 
And it's the one with like 100 blackout dates and you only can go like two weeks out of the year and you're like, well, that's all I got. I'm going to take that one. And then all of a sudden they say, today we're upgrading you for free. You can come anytime for the whole year. It's like, oh, and you get the whole package. It makes you go, wow, yes. God is the whole package. All of who he is becomes yours. All of who he is becomes ours when we follow him. When we choose to listen to his voice, all of who he is becomes ours. He gives himself to us. And that's the cool thing about God is when he gives himself to you, he doesn't pull back. He doesn't say, well, I'm not so sure about your choices, so I'm going to stand over here until you're ready. No. He's there. And he's all in. Obeying the Lord unlocks this treasure. It made me think of, we read this Bible story at home. We have, have you guys ever heard of the Jesus Storybook Bible? Anybody in this? Okay. If you have small children in your life, get this story Bible. Because it is the most beautifully laid out presentation of the Bible with Jesus throughout the whole thing. And... um. In this story, it's called The Hidden Treasure. It's about, and, and I'm just going to read it out of the, the text that, you know, the Bible we're reading from today, but it's about this man, and it's, it's right here, Matthew 13, 44. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went, sold all he had, and bought the field. This story is about a man who's digging or whatever he's doing in the field. Maybe he's farming. I don't know. But he's working the ground. And he finds treasure. And he realizes, what? What is this? He pulls it out and he opens it up and, (laughs) And when you find something good and you don't want anybody else to get it, what do you do? (laughs) That's awesome. You close it back up and you hide it right away, right? Because you need to have that all to yourself, right? It's kind of like moms with candy at nighttime, right? You hide that right back in the back of the fridge because it's almost bedtime. Same thing. He sees this treasure and he goes, put that back in the ground, bury it up. I'm going home. Honey, we're selling the ranch. We're selling the farm. I found something else. And so he goes and he sells everything he has joyfully. He doesn't do it with like, it says joyfully. Why is he joyful? Because he knows what's in the ground is pretty awesome. And so he sells everything he has. He runs back and he dig, dig, dig. He gets it out. It's mine. And everything in there is his. And so it is with God. When we find him, when he offers himself to us like he did this morning, we should be quick to see this is a treasure. This is a treasure, and he's worth everything I have to give because there is nothing like him, and I want him, no matter the cost, because just like this man, he realized what's inside this treasure has way far more value than everything I have and own. 
So he goes, he sells, and, and he, buy, he buys the land, gets the treasure, and now it's his. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. John 14, 21 through 23, I'm sorry. Kind of left you hanging out there, sorry. Well, then Judas Iscariot, I'm not Judas Iscariot, Judas the other Judas, said, but Lord, why do we intend to show your, oh goodness, let me just start back over. But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus said, he replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My father will love him and he will come to him and we will make our home with him. This Bible verse goes back to the other one that we learned about, keep and preserve. The Bible says, he, whoever has my commands, whoever hears my words and holds on to them is precious, whoever has them in his heart and keeps them is the one who loves me. When you set yourself to love God, he will blow the roof off, okay, your expectations. It goes back to Deuteronomy 4, 6. Keep, preserve, hold in your heart a fear of the Lord. My question for us today is, where in our lives are we keeping and holding his word? And then also, where in our lives are we clinging to other things? Whoever obeys him, obeys his commands, loves him. He is the treasure. He will come to him and show himself to him. He who loves me will be loved by my father and I too will love him and show myself to him. Keywords, show myself to him. Keywords, verse 23. We will come to him and make our home with him. These two phrases change everything. It's the whole reason of why we obey the Lord. It goes back to Proverbs 9.10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And knowledge of the Holy One is insight. When we turn our face to say, I'm going to listen to you, God. I'm going to follow you. We start in the walk of wisdom. And as we walk in wisdom, we begin to know who he is. And we know his love for us and it builds something inside of us that says, I'm not clinging to this. I'm going to do what you say. I'm going to speak what you want me to speak. I'm going to stand for what you want me to stand. I'm going to encourage when you want me to encourage. I'm going to say, nope, we're not going that way when it's not time to go that way. Or even if it's not the place to go. No matter how it feels, no matter what I see, no matter the investments I've already made, I will follow you. And in it, he will be your salvation, your wisdom, your knowledge. He will be your sure foundation when life happens. This morning as we are getting, we're going to get closing now, but this morning we're honoring moms. And I realize that in this place, not everybody's a mom. But women 
you, we, were created as a beautiful representation of God's character to love, to nurture, to give respect, and to honor people's worth. We were given, we were made to teach, to train, to grow others, to bring life to this world, whether it's through having a baby or whether it's speaking life and watching it come up in people's lives. So for us today, fear the Lord, obey him and listen to his word. Let it grow up within you. Let him come into the places where um, you are doing it on your own or where you're saying, I don't know how to figure this one out, so I'm just going to leave it over here. Let him come into that place. Let him give you his wisdom. And if you will invite him in and you will protect his ways in your home and you will stand up and say, no, we're not doing that anymore. We're going to be doing this. No matter the age of your children, if they're in your home and, it, and God has impressed on you a certain way for your home to be, then you stand that way. You will see the fruit of his righteousness, the blessing of God in your home. And so my words to you this morning are, do not give up, but hold on to the fear of the Lord. This morning, can you come on up? We'll go ahead and please stand with me, you guys. We're going to go ahead and pray and get ready to dismiss. But this morning, we had a word given right after worship, right at the end of worship, about how the Lord is here and he's calling us in. And he's saying, come on, come in, come to me, that he wants to be near his people. And, and part of that was, you know, there's people in this place that maybe you have not ever experienced what it is to be with Jesus. You've heard about him, or you think certain thoughts about who he is. But you have not yet embraced who he is and turned your ear to hear him for yourself. And this morning, the Lord wants to do that with you. He wants to take you into himself and teach you his ways so that when you have questions, you can come to him and he will say, I'll show you what to do. Because the Lord wants to bless you. He wants to give you good in every area of your life. He is for you. Let's bow our heads this morning. If you have never made a commitment to Jesus this morning, and you're thinking, well, I have some things in my life that I don't really know what to do with, but I think I'm doing okay But I want to know what God says. He invites you to come. He says, if you'll receive my son this morning, he paid for you. He paid for your sins. The separation that's been between us is taken care of. It's cleaned. And you don't have to be far away anymore, but you can come near. This morning, if you want that, raise your hand.
for the rest of us in this room. Father, we come before you. And maybe there's areas of your life where you think, well, I'm doing okay. I'm actually listening to the Lord and I'm trying to do what's right in my home. He wants to deepen your wisdom. He wants to take you further. He wants to show you more of himself so that when you lead your family, when you prepare to begin a family, that you know what his heart is and his direction is. And so this morning, Lord, have your way in this place, God. Take a minute and just tell him in your heart. Tell him in your mind. Tell him with your lips what you want with him. I want to know you, Lord. I want to know the treasure that you are because maybe I only know a little bit, but I want more. I want to enjoy you forever. I want to know that I'm always in your presence and that I don't have to do anything, but you're there. And I want to talk with you like two friends talk to each other. Father, I pray that over us this morning. I pray that over this whole place, God, that we would be a people who would know you, who would hear you, respect your words, and do what they say, would hold them in our hearts as if they are treasure, because they are. You are treasure, Lord. You are treasure, Lord. Thank you for our moms, Lord, that show us who you are. I pray courage over them in their homes, Lord. I pray strength over them as they do their daily work. And sometimes it's mundane and it doesn't feel like it's going anywhere. But Lord, faithfulness is happening in our homes. And you are building up, you're building up a people for yourself, Lord. Help us to give way to you in our homes. Help us to navigate our homes well. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. As we get ready to go, I encourage you moms this morning, as you're getting ready to go celebrate with family, I know it's a little bit late we went over, but if you would like anyone to pray with you, go and and be prayed for. Let someone just bless you. Sometimes we don't have to have anything to like have pressing on us to be prayed for. Sometimes it's nice to just say, hey, put your hands on me and pray. Just pray for me. Because the Holy Spirit has something to say to you. So I encourage you guys, before you go, please take a moment if you want to and go get prayed for this morning. Our prayer team is at the back and they're ready for you. You guys have a good afternoon.